0: Welcome to Episode 8 of the Zero Waste Life Hacks Podcast. This episode was recorded on February 6, 2020 as part of a live panel discussion with Shopify and is geared towards helping merchants to find some zero waste hacks around their shipping and packaging needs. Shopify is a subscription-based online service that helps e-commerce merchants all over the world build online stores and sell easily to their customers. We were honored to have some fantastic panelists and get into some controversial and eye-opening topics. We hope you enjoy. Before we get into the live recording, I'd like to say a few words. I'm currently recording this intro in my closet on the seventh day of social distancing from the coronavirus pandemic. Every day I listen to the news and my heart gets a little heavier. So I thought I would turn off the news and edit the next couple episodes just to get find a little positivity to give back to the world. When I re-listened to this panel discussion at this moment, when businesses are shutting their doors for a bit, schools have closed, and people are preparing their homes for at least a month, if not more, of bunking up, it stirred some new thoughts and emotions. I wonder if the 2020 projected statistics of shipping will change. You'll get those statistics in the panel. Between panic buying and people being at home and maybe even spending a little more, does that mean there will be more packaging and shipping? Or will people pause their online spending as they are waiting on the fate of their next paycheck? It seems to be genuinely uncertain times. And while we are in the first week here in LA, Sophia and I have found comfort in the fact that we are all in it together. We realize that it may be challenging to think with a zero-waste mindset, and it might not even be the first thing on your mind, but we hope that this episode inspires you to think about simple hacks you can adopt once this is all over and you are back out there sharing your business with the world. So without further ado, enjoy this truly informative discussion. Check, check. Hello. Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome, take your seats. Welcome to the first ever live panel discussion of the Zero Waste Life Hacks podcast. We're super excited, this is really cool. Thank you, Shopify, for hosting this in your beautiful downtown LA storefront at The Row, which is awesome. So tonight, our panel of discussion is all about zero waste shipping and packaging. It is estimated in 2020 that 2.5 billion shoppers will shop online globally. So basically, that means a lot of packaging and a lot of shipping going around the world. If you're thinking this is a good time to be online doing business, you're right. If you have an online store, If you have a Shopify store, you are now an e-commerce company. So yeah, it's a good time to be an e-commerce business. However, you are now contributing to 2.5 billion packages and 2.5 billion items being shipped by planes, trains, ships, automobiles, all over the world. So what do we do about that? Well, it begs the question, can e-commerce companies truly be zero waste? And if so, how do we find solutions towards this? And on that note, let's start the panel. (laughs) Um, I'd like to to invite up our moderator, Sofia Ratkovich, my (laughs) co-host in the Zero Waste Life Hacks podcast. She is a zero waste consultant and the owner of Zero Waste Company. She helps to do zero waste events for companies like Red Bull and Adidas, which she's just taking a break from just to come back here and do this. Thank you, Sophia. <laughs> um, we'd like to invite up Joshua Gunn from Randpack. He's come from Chicago to be here with us tonight, by the way. Randpack is the first global producer of 100% paper-based packaging. From fillers to the wrapping to the padding, they can truly claim that they are 100% sustainable. Jessica Aldridge, Executive Director of Adventures in Waste, which is an online zero waste source that helps to bridge the gap between industry professionals and regular people like myself. (laughs) She also works for one of the largest waste recycling companies in Southern California. So she is truly knowledgeable on what is recyclable and what claims to be recyclable, but will end up in the landfill. Dun, 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 let's crush everyone's dreams. <laughs> All right, Diana Cohen, CEO and co-founder of the Plastic Pollution Coalition, which is a global education Oh, sorry, I skipped a line. She's a global alliance whose members are working towards plastic-free world through policy and education. Um, she also has been a visual artist for the past 20 years using plastic in her artwork to make social impacts. 30 years. 30 years, it's a 27. But she's also had a TED Talk on plastics, spoke at the UN, has been interviewed by Al Jazeera, NBC Nightly News, The New York Times, Washington Post, Guardi, I'm going to lose my breath talking about everyone. So, thank you for being here. <laughs> We're honored. And on the merchant side, representing the merchants, we have Lindsay McCormick from Bite Toothpaste. She is on a mission to create the most sustainable oral care company on the planet. Everything is 100% compostable, reusable, or refillable from the tablets to the glass packaging, the shipping material, and the compostable refill pouches. All right, I'm going to pass it on now to our lovely moderator, Sophia, take it away. Thank you
1: everyone again for making the time to make your way to downtown LA and be here with us. Um, So we have a lot of topics to cover, uh, so much about uh, e-commerce, so we're just going to jump right in with all the questions. Um, If you're familiar with our podcast, how many of you guys have listened to the Zero Waste Life Hacks podcast right there? Uh (laughs) <laughs> all right, um, so the podcast is basically broken up into two parts, where we discuss uh, the problem, uh, the history of the items that we use, and then the second part, we, we discuss a solution, so the hacks. So for every problem that exists, there definitely is a solution, and that's what we're trying to do is just share um, all these alternatives that are simple, that can sometimes be free, but that really um, solve a lot of these problems. So for this panel, we're gonna have one question for each panelist. There, you guys are welcome to jump in also and answer anything. But we're gonna go. So you ready? <laughs> All right. So Michelle asked the question, can e-commerce truly be sustainable? And a lot of people will say no, right? But that might be true. <laughs> but there are definitely some, uh, it'll be fun. You'll, you guys will learn some things here. So we're gonna start first with the issue of recycling. So. Most people have access to curbside recycling bins. Um, What can go in it varies from city to city, but we're also a lot of times uh, misinformed about what is actually recyclable and what isn't. So technically, anything that's plastic can be recyclable, but if it actually goes through that process, another question. So we're gonna go right in. Jessica. (laughs) In relation to packaging and shipping, can you talk a little bit more about what sort of items have value and which ones don't and technically what makes something recyclable and what does it? and why wouldn't it be recyclable? Okay.
2: Yeah. The first thing, I, I the first myth I want to bust is that little chasing arrows, the thing they call the recycling sign. Um, there's really no regulation over it and you can smack it on anything. Um, When it's on the bottom of a plastic, it's not telling you that that plastic is recyclable or not, because there's some people that are like, oh, there's no chasing arrow on on it, so I can't recycle it. It has nothing to do with the recyclability. It's just the chemical signature of that product to tell you what type of plastic it is. There's only seven, so when people start making up other numbers, that's not true. But seven is a mixed bag anyways, because it's mixes of different types of plastics and things that you really have a harder time separating in an average system. Um, There are plastics that are currently in the market that we're in uh, that have more value than other plastics. And then there's a lot of other packaging material that might be mixed with plastics, mixed with paper, it's mixed with a bunch of other things that um, are a whole other category. So if we're talking about things that have uh, value, and I'm just looking down here to make sure there's nothing else on here, I want to say before I get into the product itself. Um, the other thing I before I do get in the product uh, that I want to point out is that you have your curbside collection, whether you're in a business or residential or multifamily residential, you put your thing in the curb, you quote unquote, throw it away. Well, there is no way it's going to go somewhere. And the hopefully the recycling company, the trash haulers, the waste haulers, the trucks, they come and they pick that stuff up and they take it back to what's called a MRF, We, by default, um, as a population, call that a recycling facility. That is not a recycling facility. It's a materials recovery facility. That is where they're recovering product by material type. They're bailing it, and then they're shipping it off somewhere so that they can sell it. If they cannot sell it and there is no market for it, I don't care how recyclable that product is, it is not going to get recycled. Um, The actual recycling facility is the one that takes the product, cleans it up, and then destroys it in essence, like pelletizes it if it's plastic, uh, cuts it up if it's paper, um, different types of processes, and then they turn it into a new product, right? So again, it, just because something can be recycled in some little place in the middle of Wisconsin does not mean that it's scalable to be able to recycle that product. FTC regulation, Federal Trade Commission, says if you're going to use the words that something is recyclable on your product, it has to be recyclable in 60% of the market. Not 60% of the states, uh, or 60% of the market within the states, but 60% of the market. So California, New York, we're gonna saturate that market a little bit. Um, Keurig is getting sued right now because they tried to say that their container was recyclable and it is not recyclable in 60% of the market, so they have a federal lawsuit. Keurig, the little cake cups. Um, so what product, and their K-cups are made out of polypropylene number five, a very valuable plastic right now. But as a materials recovery facility, as a MRF, you have to be able to get to that number five. You have to be able to identify it. Um, some things you can identify very easily. It's a bottle, you pull it off. It's a it's a detergent bottle, number two plastic, you pull it off. Some facilities are upgraded um, they use optical sorters. they are able, able, the product goes across the line, they send down a light, it reads the chemical signature of the product, it shoots it off and into a bale. Most facilities are not like that. They will be upgraded to that level eventually, but they're not like that. So when they, a polypropylene number five is really hard to identify. So you really need optical sorters in order to be able to identify it. But number five, polypropylene number five is very valuable. The market is coming on board for it. You see more recycling facilities taking this material. Number one, bottles, PET, or PET, um, it's P-E-T or P-E-T-E, polyethylene terephthalate. It is um, usually water bottles, and for the recycling, that's usually all they want, is the water bottles. Now the market has started to grow west of the Mississippi for the clamshells, which are the to-go containers. East in the Mississippi, they were taking the clam chills, um, a lot earlier than we were because they had the recycling. But the moment that you pass that Mississippi, you don't. no one wants to ship anything over to the Mississippi because the value of it decreases, and it's not valuable to recycle that anymore. Uh, number two. Number two, HDPE. These do not go in order of value. Number two is your highest value plastic. But let me also explain too, these things have to be without contamination. Um, that contamination, a lot of people think contamination is food, I um, display, I got show and tell. I um, feel like my mind is being
3: blown, this is amazing.
2: <laughs> so this here, is this contaminated? There's no water in it. Is it contaminated? Yep. Do you know why? This freaking film goes up from the bottom to the top. When my optical sorters read this, I can't read it because it thinks it's a number four plastic and it's a number one. But then again, you're like, oh, let me take the label off. You take the label off, you lose the value because you lose the CRV. So then the recyclers can't get paid back on the cash redemption value.
0: They're
4: also doing that to glass bottles now. Oh, my God, yes.
2: Glass and I have, oh, let me show you. Is this contaminated? Yes. Yes. This is a five, so a normal um, aluminum can has a 5% contamination rate because there's about three to four pieces of different type of metal in here. And they know that when they get it, they're expecting that 5% contamination rate. This increases it to 20 to 30% contamination rate. This is going to drop the value of the aluminum scrap market for aluminum cans. If they don't figure this out, this value is going to drop in the next year. They, the beer companies and the kombucha companies, the reason why they do this is because it's cheaper to get to market. Um, it, you, you have to have a run of 50,000, 100,000 of these cans to actually print on the can. You can go to market as a small entrepreneur by, by doing 10 of these. So they have to figure it out. This is a polypropylene number five container. Uh, this has high value, but Kite Hill... Um, Probably their marketing said, hey, it looks like it's quote-unquote greener because we're using paper that has plastic on it. Let me tell you, there's plastic on this paper. Um, It's wet strength. Um, There's paper and plastic, so we're going to make it look like it's greener. We're going to put this tiny little sign that says remove it, and then people will remove it, right? No. No. And Wait, can uh, I just <laughs>
4: interrupt for one second? This is the coolest, most awesome, <laughs> nerdy, but super sexy like presentation <laughs> I have seen in such a long time. And I've seen you present a couple times. I'm really impressed. It's awesome. OK. Oh Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
2: really I'm, like, getting really hot now. Um. <laughs> My last little thing is it can't read through this paper. So this really high value polypropylene plastic is now trash because they're not gonna be able to identify it. So those are the things. We like the ones and the twos and the fives. Um, We don't want food in them. We don't want product in them. If it's a water soluble product though, like the Colgate container that just came out that said that it is recyclable, there's actually, I'm not gonna dog them because I checked with our markets and they said, yeah, all toothpaste containers look like that. And we knew it, we would pull them off the line. And because the toothpaste is water soluble, it doesn't affect the plastic. So,
1: I mean, that's amazing. And it also sheds a light on how people, you know, when they start feeling guilty, right? Once you start discovering things, you see these images of plastic pollution in the ocean. You're like, oh, but I recycle. I put everything in the blue bin. And that seems to be like the default excuse that I hear from everybody. And it's like, well, great. But have you heard Jessica speak? (laughs) Have you seen these physical examples? Um, So thank you for sharing all that knowledge. Sophia, I don't want to follow that,
5: please. Yes, thank you. Don't ask me the next (laughs) (laughs) question.
1: Yeah, no, you'll do fine, don't worry. (laughs) You've got a lot of paper, so. um, So, (laughs) Diana, I'm just so happy to have everybody here, because... Again, the more we learn, the more we're able to make informed choices, and I think that's where real power comes from. So thank you for everyone for being here, Diana. In your work with the Plastic Pollution Coalition, which I am really proud to be a member of, um, you've uh, you've ha- worked really hard to inform people about the damaging effects of plastic, not just to the environment, right? Some people are very concerned about the oceans, but also to Our health, um, the impacts that it has on our bodies and also wildlife. And again, everybody comes at this, you know, at the uh, topics of the environment from a different place, but can you speak to us a little bit about um, the issues that come to mind when you, when we discuss waste or plastic waste particularly?
4: Yeah, so, I mean, and just, I know you guys, you introduced me, but just by way of background, I I started out as a biology major at UCLA and then was like, I don't feel like I can be creative in the sciences. I'm going to transfer to the art department, so I have a degree in art. Um, And then somehow making artwork brought me around full circle to getting really involved and trying to understand what was going on with plastic, Uh, because I was born here in Hollywood and used to take the bus down Wilshire to go to the beach. And just in the course of my life, I've seen more and more plastic in the ocean, in the water. You know, I'm an eternally aspiring longboarder. I started longboarding <laughs> when I was 30. Um, I got certified as a diver when I was 25. But I mean, just in my life, I keep seeing more and more plastic. It was kind of freaking me out. But at the same time, I had been making kind of collage-based artwork out of brown paper bags first and then adding plastic and working with plastics. And so I was really fascinated by the material. I, I think it's a absolutely amazing material. And what's really shocking about it, well, and for me, like one of my aha moments was walking into the co-op in Santa Monica and, and trying to buy food and realizing that almost everything aside from produce fruit and vegetables was packaged in plastic. And I had never seen that before. I mean, literally in my whole life, it's like I woke up and my eyes were opened. I felt very different in a a day. And um, the more I've learned about the material and the way that we use it and the way that so much of it is, and our focus is really, I have to say, on single-use plastics. I'm not anti-plastic. I think plastic is an amazing material. Uh, The problem I have with it is that when we package all of our food and all of our beverages and our beauty products and our um, health and wellness and medical products in it, and it turns out that the chemicals that we use to make it, whether it's petroleum-based plastic, which I would say like more than 90% of the plastics we use are made from byproducts of processing petroleum and natural gas, oil and gas, but even if we change the carbon source to a bio, a plant-based plastic, the additives that give plastic the qualities that make you go like, oh, hey, this is plastic. Oh, th- actually this is metal. But um, you know it's this, is, this that, is plastic. It's you know. yeah. got a plastic clip. Yeah it does have a plastic. <laughs> um but you know that make us identify something as being plastic, whether it's you know supple, malleable, transparent, translucent, colored, opaque, even now painted in ways so that the things look like they're silver or metallicized. Um, All those things that make us identify something as plastic, that also make plastic incredibly versatile, those chemicals are groups of chemicals called phthalates, bisphenols, like BPA, and if it's BPA-free, then they're using BPB, or BPS, or BPZ, and we don't know. And I mean, all of these chemicals have been identified at this point as endocrine disruptors, which means that they are fucking with stuff in our bodies and turning things on and off in our bodies when they are not supposed to be turned on and off. So I'm sorry I'm gonna go here for a second because I know we're really talking about packaging, but I mean, if we're packaging our food and beverages in this stuff and it's not good for us and really not good for our children, and if we've made these links between those chemicals and BPA has probably been studied the most um, and how it affects human health, these chemicals, I just spent two days with a bunch of scientists who are experts on endocrine disruptors in um, Berkeley uh, and Oakland and I just came back this afternoon and I like I totally nerd out on this right because it's really interesting uh, but scary Um, they were explaining all this stuff to me and you know uh, they are my scientific advisors so I say to them what am I actually allowed to say I'm not a scientist what am I allowed to say that's actually correct. And they say, you can say that there have been all these studies done that prove that this is linked to that. And what we can say about particularly BPA, but BPA and phthalates, so bisphenols and phthalates, is that they've been linked to lower sexual function, sterility and infertility. They've been linked to breast cancer, brain cancer and prostate cancer, and they've been linked to diabetes and obesity and i'm sorry but for me like even one of those things would totally freak me out but the fact that it's a whole slew of issues is is heavy and then children, there have been studies done of umbilical cord blood from newborn babies and found that babies in the United States are born pre-polluted with over 330 different chemicals in their umbilical cord blood. And studies of the effects of BPA on babies has been linked to shortened anogenital distance and smaller penis size. Um, early menses in girls, so girls getting their period younger and younger, I'm talking like five, six, or seven years old. Uh, which was, you know, this is insane, actually, if you think about it. Because just for the guys here who aren't aware, usually women get their period, I would say, between like eight or nine was like early. And, you know, the, the general median age was around, used to be around 13. But it's really, it's been getting lower and lower because we're exposed to so many endocrine-disrupting hormones. And then it's also been linked in babies to um, attention deficit disorder, to autism, and to lower IQ. So it's like, hello, red flag. <laughs> red flag, let me go pick up some milk or let me go buy some orange juice and plastic and feed it to my kids. So not to freak everybody out, but you should be conscious Too about late. this. <laughs> um, I can talk about this for like a week straight. So if you want if you want to bring me back on track to
1: something, please do. Yeah, I mean, that was you, very you sexy. You cut me up I at a small <laughs> penis size. Well, it also connects to the aspect of like, Toxic waste, right? And how just the production of these things is polluting the environment, right? It's going into our waterways, so it's getting into our system that way as well. Well,
4: so, so let me just, if you don't mind, I'll talk about that for a minute, which is plastic. Originally, I was just looking at it and thinking, as I learned these things, I was thinking, okay, this is polluting us and harming us when we eat and drink out of it. But it's actually way worse than that. I mean, as a material, the production of it, particularly when we're looking at divesting from fossil fuels and our dependency on fossil fuels, it, our dependence on plastic, and in particular single-use plastics, is poisoning us and disproportionately impacts lower-income communities in the United States and around the world from uh, extraction through manufacturing and production through use, which if it's single-use is a very short amount of time, and instantly it becomes a waste management issue. And when it becomes a waste management issue, uh, there are a few different things that can happen to it. If it has value as a material, there's the possibility that if there is an infrastructure in your town or city, it may have another life or be downcycled into something else. We're talking about just plastic. And that may just be one life. Yeah, one life. More and well, so that's a longer story too, where you need to add virgin materials to it because the polymer chain is weakened as you reuse it. But um, so there's that. That that's a best case scenario, right? The next scenario is it's buried in landfill because it's waste or rubbish or garbage or whatever the words are that we come up for it, and nothing is done with it. But what happens to a lot of it, and I think most people are not aware of this, is it gets incinerated. And there are now, there's new language that's used for that, like, it sounds really good. Waste to energy, waste to fuel, like all these cool, really super sexy, again, ideas. Um, And waste management, the company, WN, they are big proponents of that. But I, last year, or a year and a half ago, had the pleasure of going to a zero waste, a uh, golf tournament that lasts like a week in Arizona, <laughs> like in Phoenix or something. The P- PGA Open. Yeah, PGA Open. And it's got, it's just the whole thing's branded by waste management. And when I asked them questions behind the scenes, they were like, yeah, well, a certain percentage. Because I just was looking at all the materials they were serving to everybody. And it was just business as usual. Yeah, yeah. bunch of single-use servings, plastic bottles, aluminum cans, etc a lot of big pallets with big plastic coatings on them. So, you know, a lot of stuff is incinerated. And when we incinerate it, we create particulate pollution and we release dioxins and people who live close to, people who live on the Gulf Coast in Texas, people who live in Louisiana and Cancer Alley, people who live in central Pennsylvania or where they've rebooted the entire Ohio River Valley to produce plastic now are being poisoned. So we poison ourselves with that.
1: And that's completely invisible, right? Like, so these images of the oceans being, you know, more plastic than algae being uh, in the seas, like, that's something that we can visualize. But air pollution, we really can't. So it's important to know that that's the effect that it's having. Thank you for that, Deanna. Sorry, that was long. No, 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 we're really happy to have you here, (laughs) so thank you. We're gonna move on to Joshua, all the way from Chicago, um, who brought all these amazing products also. We've got them sorted by the ones that are not so great and then the alternatives, so. um, Can you talk to us a little bit about what makes these products produced by Rampak truly sustainable, um, and what are their environmental impact compared to plastics, whether they're single use or not?
5: Yeah, uh, great question, Sophia. Um, And just some context on our company, Uh, we've been in the paper business for 47 years, um, specializing only in paper packaging material. Um, Whereas a lot of poly-based companies that deal with bubble, that deal with airbags, that deal with PE-based product, um, we have been living and breathing paper for a very long time. And uh, we we were extolling the virtues of sustainability probably before it was even you know popular or in vogue, and um, we are are it's it's amazing what you can do with paper. It, it's very malleable. It's very foldable. It's very flexible. It, it provides great shock absorption within the box when you transit um, items through uh, through you know trucks, airplanes, ships. And we we think it's a superior substrate uh, versus plastics, and and we kind of tick the box in every way. Uh, On top of the material that we use, we also have the machinery and equipment that that helps enable like high output and efficiencies within your operation. So we're very much a end user company focused um, business. And uh, we, we have been we have been slowly expanding our product portfolio over the past couple of years, not just to include, you know, in the box packaging, but also alternatives to bubble wrap. So that product right there, that's Rampack Ready Roll. Um, it's our loft of what we call Giami paper, fiber based tissue paper, and our target end user for that are basically anybody who's moving. Who who here has bought bubble off the shelf? Staples, Home Depot. Our goal is to get that into every major retailer and to convert people who are using that product over to that product. There's a clear recycling stream for paper. People know what to do with paper. It provides a better unboxing experience than plastic does. And in that way, we we are driving towards a sustainability mission. Our mission statement is deliver a better world. And what we mean by that, that's a very broad, big statement. Consumers have a choice and it's 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 all of our voices here that will impact what corporations do what governments do what merchants do and we must all try to pull our our voices together to try to get you know big companies to change and to convert and uh, you know we, we think we can provide an incredible value proposition to people who want to partner with us. Um, And and quite honestly, we're we're experts in this business. Um, It's it's not bolt-on for us. We just, you know, it's not like a, it's not something that we added on. It's core to who we are. And, uh, you know, we're obviously very interested in merchants who are, uh, you know, wanna utilize more paper within their boxing. Um, and also, you know, provide the systems that will help you kind of maximize your business efficiencies, because that's what it's all about as well, right? It's being sustainable, but we all have to drive a profit. It's what we do, day in, day out, and we think we can help balance those two components very well.
1: So what about the people that will say, but Joshua, paper comes from trees. Now you're killing trees. I'm sure yeah, you get that, right? Because I
5: get course, that all the time. Like, That's course. how it's, they actually you know, sold
4: us <laughs> plastic bags when they started the plastic bags.
5: Yeah, it's, it's one step at a time. The first decision, the first thing we have to do is, is convert people from plastics into something that is more recyclable, more sustainable. Um, and then secondly, I think the focus should be, when you open a box, the biggest frustration for anybody is getting excessive packaging or getting a box this big and a package this small, right? Yep. That to me is a big focus for us, a big focus for corporations. Um, and when you look at our product range, um, we are FSC certified on a lot of our product. So we ensure- What is that? W- I, I which is, know which is, I mean. is sustainable practices through distribution, uh, the supply network, making sure that we hold our partners accountable to properly uh, forest the products that we you know, use. And it's a nonprofit third-party organization that we've teamed up with. So, uh, yeah.
1: No, it's great. And again, like the great thing is that paper can be recycled, right, and more easily than plastic. So as long as we're purchasing products that are made from post-consumer recycled paper, and this is something, you know, again, when you buy your office paper, you have to look at that content. Is it made from FSC certified? Or, you know, have these forests been sustainably managed? So there's more opportunities for social responsibility, I think, when you purchase paper products, whereas with plastic, there really isn't any of that. There aren't those certifications and those types of metrics that Absolutely. make you choose it.
2: And not all papers is recyclable. <laughs>
1: True. (laughs) Especially when it has PFAS. Yeah,
2: and that's for the composting side. Um, Don't have it coated with plastic, you know, so I'm going to crush some people's dreams in here in a second, but uh, your, your cereal boxes have always been a contaminant. They only take them as a very specific, so the mills will take up to a certain contaminant and we have to reach very specific diversion numbers, the cities do. And so they'll stuff the load up with the amount of contaminant that they can, that's a paper contaminant, and the mill will take that, but the mill doesn't want a lot of plastic coated paper. So a lot of that stuff, it's good because it's made out of recycled content, which is fantastic. It closed a loop. But that coating is either chipboard or it's wet strength. And if you were to get it wet, like your your beer boxes that you carry all your beer home in and all that stuff, it's probably not getting recycled. And you've probably thought for the longest time <laughs> it has been. And they will say it's acceptable. Just because a city says they accept something does not mean they, they recycle it. Just because... San Francisco says they accept compostables. Does not mean for the past three years have they even been recycling it, and I know I'm on video.
1: <laughs> uh, thanks for crushing our <laughs> optimism here. <laughs> no, but it's true, it's good to know, and it's, again, these things that give us this convenience and flexibility, but you know, the more you know, the more you can make better choices. So we're gonna move on to Lindsay here. Yeah.
3: Thank you for being here. Thanks for putting this together. This is, I feel like I'm learning a lot. There's a lot of amazing people here. This is awesome. Thank you.
1: Always. 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 And
3: we were so happy to find
1: your company because we feel that it's one that's truly working on carrying out the zero waste mission from beginning to end, from the products that are in it, you know, making them be vegan. So we want you to tell, you, we want you to tell us a little bit about your motivation for starting this company and um,
3: just what's your motto? What are your goals? What are you most excited about? Absolutely. So I started, I've always been passionate about the environment and into into conservation. And I was traveling all the time for work as my job as a TV producer. We live in Los Angeles. I feel like there might be some TV producers in the audience. And I was just, and it just seemed so wasteful throwing out this little tiny toothpaste tube and, um, you know, before the new one that was out, it has like seven layers, can't be recycled. So every single time you throw it out, it's ending up in the landfill. It's still not good. Yeah. much better. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> um, well, and it just seemed it wasn't congruent with my life. Like I don't use plastic water bottles, but here I am like not even thinking of these daily habits that I'm doing every day in my own like home in my bathroom. And so I was like, I need to come up with some alternatives. And everything that I found was either packaged in plastic or it had ingredients that I couldn't get behind. And I was like, I feel that I'm going to just try making my own. And I didn't have a dentistry or chemistry background at all. I took online chemistry classes through like a like a thing on Reddit where it was like, if you want to take chemistry classes from senior year of high school to PhD in college, like here's how you can find it, like University of Arizona, you know, whatever. And I was like, I will sit home on Friday nights and do this all the time. And so I had to get a background in chemistry and talk to every dentist and dental hygienist I could until I finally came up with the formula that we still use in our tablets today. I I bought a tableting machine off the internet. I feel like you can get everything off the internet, speaking of e-commerce and uh, learned how to use it, put powder in it, press it out, make tablets, and then package it in my own living room and start selling it online. And when I first started this, it was a solution for me in my everyday life. I had no intention of leaving my job as a TV producer. I just needed something that I could use that I didn't feel guilty, I didn't feel like I was contributing to the problem. And then when I had invested in this equipment, I was like, I probably need to make some of the money back from that hobby. And I put it up on Shopify, which is amazing. And, like, I talk about Shopify all the time. <laughs> like, I know we're here, but, like, this is, I, I have no computer background. And I went from having nothing to a website within one night where I took photos on my iPhone of, like, my, you know, bottle and put it up there and started finding customers like the next day. And it was the beginning of the the real like awakening towards the plastic problem that was going on that I didn't even know online and they were started to find my my Product and then your product's
4: yummy too. Thank you,
3: (laughs) thank you. And it was, it's been, you know, we're in constant iteration. I'm, we're, we're always improving the product, making it better, getting our customers' feedback, and getting it out there. But sustainability from the very beginning, it's the only reason I started this company, and it's, it's what we, it's in our blood every day. So of course we used, we have a glass bottle. It's a paper label that is constantly getting dinged up, but it has to be able to be recyclable because we couldn't have the BOPP liner on it. And then the aluminum Lid and then our um, our all like our tablets inside. We use a uh, we use all plastic or all all plastic. God, all paper, <laughs> all paper packaging. Um, we have this is our four month that comes, but then we also have this is a post consumer product. It's a paper um, envelope and then inside it's actually crazy when you rip these open. There's um, newspapers like old newspapers in there. I'll rip it open in a minute. I feel like I'm gonna drop the mic if I try doing that. Oh yeah, there we go. Right there. So there's newspapers, and you can sometimes read it, and so, and so it's it's like totally cool. And you can either you can compost this, or I believe recycling it, but I need to ask you. No recycling, compost. It's too mixed. Too mixed. Compost it. Do not recycle it. Compost it. And what we recommend if people there may don't. be
2: other cities that yeah. want to take it, and they've got LA. a whole other
3: system. So I may
2: you might get someone that says, oh no, I, I want those things. We have this weird mixed paper thing that we want. But usually um, N- news is is a separate so newspaper residential paper yeah. is is different than like craft paper
3: so I'm gonna like get news your email address Red. out there and every time we make a change like what do you think of this I need to know <laughs> well because it, it's important and this is the thing it's like there's what I've learned you know I see my job is to just constantly find there's so much new technology in the green space it's so exciting but at the same point there's so much misinformation and I see it as our job as a company to continue to be relentlessly sustainable and to continue to try to push the industry in that in the most sustainable direction that we can and try to be like a you know authentic and a voice of truth in that but even for us it's like this is not recyclable. Good to know. Compost it. You, and know? you know, sometimes and
2: it's it's all right if it's not recyclable. I mean, yeah. it's made out of recycled content. You close that loop. Right. You gave value back to the system. When we're not, we can't be recycling and not buying recycled content. It, it doesn't work that way, you know. <laughs> but manufacturers, businesses, they have to put recycled content in their products if they're saying that their product is recyclable because it just it breaks the whole entire system.
3: So I don't, I'm not. Well know. and we tell people too if they don't have their own compost, we're like, well Whole Foods has one, so just stick it in the Whole Foods compost. No, you don't agree with that either. Oh no. god. <laughs> I'm learning <laughs> <It's>, a lot. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a learning curve. It's totally
5: fine. But, but it's work. the effort. Wait, it, it's so it's, wait, it's wait, the effort of so what you're trying to the do. Whole Foods and the whole compost it's doesn't. Out.
3: It doesn't. Design. It's
2: for food waste and plant matter. And food soil paper, if their hauler is taking food soil paper. And the food soil paper has to have a, it has to be 100% food soil paper. This Got is state
3: so. Reg. Cool, yeah. cool. <laughs> we'll be writing a blog post about this on my site soon. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, and that's. There's so much. And so I think for us is one of the things that we want to do is make it easy and accessible to everyone and try to check those boxes where it's like you at least know there are many things that we are all probably doing wrong, but here's one thing that I'm doing right. You know, and I feel like sometimes when it comes down to sustainability is that's, you got to take the win. You got to feel like you can do it. And um, yeah. Can
4: I add something to that though? Because there's a really interesting article that came out, I think about... 2 years ago and we got permission to share it on our um, news portion of plastic pollution coalition website but it's called a beautiful evil strategy and it is about industry coming together and creating a commercial that I don't know if anybody is old enough to remember this commercial but it's an indian it was pl- an actor who was actually like an italian actor playing an indian Uh, Native American Indian who is rowing in a canoe. It's like a black and white commercial and he's rowing on a river And then you see him pull his canoe up on the river and you see him look up and you see these smokestacks of factories coughing this polluting stuff out into the air and he takes a couple steps and he's standing on the side of a freeway with all these cars rushing by and somebody flings a bag of like fast food out at his feet and it rips open and he just turns towards the camera and one tear goes down his (laughs) cheek and the tagline, it was made by the Ad Council and Mm -hmm. it was made by Keep America Beautiful and the tagline is People cause pollution, people can stop it. And that was part of a huge strategy by industry to put the responsibility and the onus for pollution yeah. onto us.
1: And that's what, con- yeah, and that continues
4: to happen. And th- that is why we all have this kind of wish cycle, guilt, like freak out about what we're supposed to do. But I, I actually think everybody should take a really deep breath and just like let it go and we're going to figure it out. And it is the wild, wild west right now for companies who are doing interesting things and making materials available or products available that are where they're striving to make them non-toxic and bio-benign and provide them to people, it is a really golden moment right now.
3: And I think it's really important too, I love that, and there's a, actually, to, there's a good Adam's Ruin Everything on recycling where they talk about that too, how it all became like that, or kind of started the origin of that. But I think it's really two-pronged, right? When we're really looking at, well, there's probably multi-pronged, but it's like the consumers create the demand. So we do have some responsibility. However, we have power. policy, exactly. But policy also needs to happen or nothing's going to get done. And I think that one of like, for us and for me personally, is that In my everyday life i need to make i want to make changes i want to you know not contribute to the problem but at the same point it it's policy and like working together to actually get it to stop because if you can't get the big businesses to stop it's never going to stop i actually think it's
4: the whole thing's really complex and i feel like our coalition members which were over 1200 members and we're more than half businesses now We just turned 10 years old in October last year, so yeah. Um, But what I'm seeing happen is not just that we, we, we can apply pressure in all these different places. It can come from consumer demand and consumer pressure but it can also come from what we demand of our institutions, our schools, our businesses. Then it can also come from extended producer responsibility and stepping up as a business owner in the way that you implement things around your business or your products that you're providing or services. And then additionally, you need the policy and legislation that helps support that or demand things to be different. So it's kind of everything across the board at the same time. Oh, and sorry, I left out. Yes. Well,
2: the Jessica. thing is, we are not respo- we're not responsible. The the where I'm, I'm Adventures and Waste is my nonprofit, but the, the hauler side is not responsible for the product that's being put out into market. The manufacturers and the engineers are not talking to the processors of this material. They're not talking to the recyclers of this material and they're just saying, "Well, we put it out in this place in Wisconsin said they can recycle it, so you got to figure it out." No. The engineers of these products need to be coming to the processors and the recyclers in the first place before they ever make a product and say, what is it that we should be making? The Kite Hills of the world. I love you, Kite Hill. That's what I eat. Um should not have put that label on there and told the consumer, it's your responsibility to remove it. It's a polypropylene cup. It should have had a polypropylene label if you're gonna use plastic. So it is their responsibility to make sure that the product that's entering the market is actually recyclable. And then on the consumer side, again, this is not your fault, but you are inevitably now part of the solution. And we can say that the consumer will demand market and it will um, for some of it, but, Gas is cheap, and they 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 want that oil. The gas part is cheap. They are going to continuously push plastic, 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 plastic. They are expanding what's called the Permian Basin right now in the southern part of this uh, southern part of the United States. That is just looking at. We are going to be the largest producer of oil and gas in the world, based on the Permian Basin alone, um, and. I have a podcast, and we're going to be talking about that, so I'll say that later. Um, we have a seven-part series covering this whole thing. Um, but it, they push this product on us. Who here has a cell phone? Every single one of you? Can you decide if it's going to be with plastic or not? No. Who here has a car? Who here has a bike? Who here has a chair inside their house? You. These p- products are forced on us, so we even though we can demand stuff, does not mean that we actually have that much control. And the other thing I want to say is just be very careful with your privilege because I do not like the phrase vote with your dollar. I think it's an extremely privileged comment because I only in the past 10 years have been able to quote vote with my dollar. Most of the people living in the United States cannot vote with their dollar. They're just trying to make it to the next day. They're trying to work their two to three jobs. They're trying to put food on the table. It is legislative government responsibility because these Businesses are not going to regulate themselves. They have been giving how many years to regulate themselves, and they have yet to do it. So also stop sharing articles when Pepsi and Coca-Cola and all of them say, we're going to go zero waste by by 2050.
1: We'll all be dead. We'll be dead.
2: They're not going to freaking do that. They're expecting you to share that article so people go, oh, thank God I can feel good about opening a Coca-Cola can because they want you to feel good, because you're not gonna hold them to that regulation.
4: But hang on, they actually just did more recently. They just made a big announcement. Oh, Coke, yeah. yeah. Coke at the um, World Economic <laughs> Forum in Davos. And said that
1: people keep demanding single-use plastic. No, no, <laughs> they made a big announcement that they're
4: committing 11, It's $11 million to address plastic pollution in rivers. They should be doing that anyways no but it's not that they should be doing that anyway it 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 looks good it's like oh wow you care if, you, if they actually cared they'd change something about the way that they Package their product. Well, stop it at
1: the tap. And that's, that's why like, I'm really grateful, for instance, for Lindsay for creating your company because by making zero waste so integral and just like the core of your company, you are part of the solution. You are inspiring other businesses. Other people are going to have to be competing with you now to be like, oh, shoot, wow, like we've got to step up our packaging game. Wow, like what do people want? What is, you know, what type of ingredients are people demanding? So, again, with all this access that we have to information, People are getting more specific. They're becoming more conscious. And it might be because, like again, they care about the animals. They care about being vegan or whatever it is. But whatever approach it is that they're taking, you are part of that solution. And so I really thank you for creating this product, which I love. Well, and I have a question, I actually. Tried I tried until you gave me a have a, a que- <laughs>
4: question for you, though. Are you seeing um, like name brands from the big multinational corporations come out with chewable? Yes.
3: Yes, they are. So, which is exciting because we're like that was the whole point. The whole point is to like, there's a problem, fix the problem. We're all in it together, and we'll all get better together. But, so, but we aren't are they packaging it in little
4: plastic things like
3: that? Some that of it's plastic. Out. Some of it's coming out with aluminum, but it's all a step in the right direction. And for us, you know, people are like, are you scared of the big guys coming in? And I'm like, no, I hope they come in because that's the biggest change that we can make. As long as if they make shortcuts, we call them out and hold them accountable because that's important. Um, But if they're using good ingredients and they're using things in a sustainable way and they do like, that's the point. That's what we all need to do, you know? And so, and I still think that there'll be room for us and there'll be room for everyone. But like the only way we're gonna solve this like you know debilitating plastic like crisis is get the big guys and the small guys and everyone together working on it and i think that uh yeah when we see we the we've definitely noticed and we can see when emails come in like when orders come in every once in a while we'll be like whoa that was a big name brand who or just ordered our product like they don't even hide their emails and we're we'll like okay we know they're working on this uh and but it's like but that's good that's good you know and so yeah
1: And so the real reason why we're here tonight is to share these solutions, right? So you starting an e-commerce business, whether it's for clothes, for beauty products, whatever it is, we want to provide those solutions that are affordable, that are practical, but that will also um, work with your business. So we are going to move on to the hacks. So here are some of the ideas. Um, Next slide. (laughs) Next slide. Um, Simple things like starting with the type of packaging that we're using, right? So we have some examples here, paper fillers instead of using bubble wrap, instead of using packing peanuts, styrofoam. Styrofoam is extremely problematic. I mean, it's great because it's lightweight. It's literally just uh, polystyrene that has had air pumped into it, so it makes it very lightweight. Um, But it breaks up into millions of tiny pieces. If anybody goes to the beach, that's like the number one thing that you see on there. And it's so, it's impossible to clean up, right? So the fact that we're using it to ship TVs and all, you know, everything, it's it just drives me nuts because it shouldn't be banned at this point. And also, we shouldn't be even using it for. I'm about to get on my own rant over here. I'm like, we shouldn't even be using it for food. Like when you go buy food and you get your hot noodles in it, and the noodles just soak into it. I mean, those are all the toxins that we're directly absorbing into our bodies. So. There's a lot of these products that, again, like, they should not even exist out there because they are so problematic. So Styrofoam being one of them, or EPS. Um, but also, uh, pack- like the labels, we talked about that. There's many options, you know, a lot of times the people get like the vinyl labels. There are options for compostable ones. There's options to print directly. And then when you're looking at the type of ink that you're using, there's so many alternatives out there, right? There's algae-based, there's soy-based. So, things that are not based on, with petroleum or have all these other chemical additives. So we have these options and it's just about exploring that to see what works best with our and needs. And
2: make sure the label is removable from the product. If
1: it's like, I just want it to stay.
2: Yeah, the product's going to be trash.
1: Which makes it hard because then you can't reuse things, right? Like there's so many cute jars out there that I come across and then it's like, oh, it's been soaking in water for a week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is not coming off. Okay, great. Like I, I won't, can't I won't
4: buy that cool Bulgarian yogurt they sell at the health food store because, oh, it, because it's Wii
1: like vacuum
4: sealed in this plastic oh. coat
1: thing. I was thinking a different one. I saw. I mean, it's in glass,
4: but then it's got this... Yeah. I won't buy Defeat, it.
1: Well, yeah, it defeats the whole purpose, right, of their marketing. Oh. But, wasted space, so we talked about that too, how sometimes you get a product that's in a box, that's also inside a box, and it's unnecessary, right? A lot of, like there's, I've seen a shoe company that makes it so that the shoe itself is shipped in the box. The box, <laughs> the shoe box is a package that it's being shipped in. And so many times we receive it and it's multiple boxes, so there's just multiple layers that don't need to be there. Um, Also, for example, who here shops at Costco? Anyone? I'm raising my hand, but I don't. (laughs) But... Yeah, does. Yeah, do you... uh, I mean, have you guys ever seen how they sell cosmetics there? They'll sell, like, one little lipstick, and it's in this clear plastic thing that you literally need, like, a can opener or a chainsaw (laughs) to open. Like, it's impossible. Even with scissors, like, you can't open it. So, I mean, and I get... I understand it's to prevent theft, but a lot of those things like they cannot be recycled, they're wasteful, and the amount of space that it takes up is also they're
4: also dangerous capaci- if people end up in ER rooms with trying cuts. to open those things.
1: Yes. Yes. So you can avoid those things, keeps your you know, keep your customers happy, but just thinking about that, right? Um, take back programs. So inspiring customer loyalty with, say, something like dish soap, right? Or toothpaste or whatever it is when you if you buy a certain amount you collect the five then you send the five back to them and then maybe you get one free right so those types of things like it makes people want to continue to buy your brand because there's some reward at the end of it so those type of tricks or trick solutions i think are really great because then you have that incentive to keep buying but the only issue i have with take back programs is what jessica
2: If you're shipping it (laughs) like from here to across this because you want to make sure your five chip bags are going to be recycled and you ship them to some TerraCycle program back on the East Coast to be made into a bag... what is the, say? is it is it better to feel good that you actually upcycled these things, or is it better that you didn't create the carbon intensity from the airplane on which it had to fly? So I think <laughs> there's this, like, you have to balance that as well. True. And I think the take-back programs, they work best when they're localized um, and when it's a smaller footprint. So if you have a take-back program, but you have different hubs throughout the the united states that that's a bit different than if we are just doing it because we feel good and and then at the same time some of these take back programs they'll take it from you but you don't know if they're actually doing
4: anything with can it we can we go we're burning st- it can we go one step further crayola one Let's step go. further one step further than take back programs would be all of these amazing refill programs
1: exactly so right yeah now. so for example like my milk Um, Recently, I've switched. I have kids; they like cereal. We drink milk, so we buy the glass jar, um, the Strauss brand, and that's because I know that the cartons of the milk that we used to buy, and they are hard to recycle because they've got the plastic lid. They've got all these other layers. And again, like every time I take it to Whole Foods, I get a dollar back. So it's, again, like that system that we're going back to. And that's how it was before we had plastic. People used to buy their soda, their water in these jugs, return it to the corner store. So it created that more of a community feel. Whereas now everything is on Amazon, right? You're like, I want it two days. No, that's not fast enough. I want it now. Like, give it to me right now. (laughs) So it's just kind of going back to that other way of doing things. But again, I think it does inspire loyalty on some set on some point uh we mentioned carbon offset programs um sometimes when you go to the grocery store they'll be like hey do you want to round up to the nearest dollar and donate to the kids cancer fund or something like that and sometimes you know be like oh it's a dollar ninety seven sure you know and other times, it's something like a dollar three and i'm like i don't know maybe next time but <laughs> it's horrible to say but you know what i mean like those are ways where it's like the consumer is directly contributing to the solution, but also, you know, the, the producer itself could say, hey, we're going to do this on your behalf. You know, we are going to round up your purchase to this amount and donate to these programs that are participating in reforesting certain areas or are contributing to upgrading um you know, power plants or whatever it may be, but it gives people that option. It makes them feel good about buying your product because they're going to see a solution. They're going to see that their money is going towards something as opposed to just the bottom line of the producer. So those, again, are things that don't, um, they're not physical rewards for the consumer, for the buyers, but they are a reward in essence. And I mean, it's contributing to everybody, right?
2: And B Corp falls in that. So like mm-hmm. looking at getting your B-Core certification, you, it may not be carbon offset, you might be, because carbon offset, sometimes there can be issues, look that up. Um, that's so another maybe, episode. Like, <laughs> um, but uh, they, you could be just contributing to other situations to help stop the tap, in essence, of, of these issues. But B-Core.
1: Yep. If you're starting a business or in that process, that's definitely one way um, to start and then uh so they
2: started that process we
3: started the process and i i had always i think b corps are amazing but i think they're even more amazing now that we're going through the process because it is incredibly strict and there are a lot of things and we are a very eco-friendly first company and there are things where it also makes you think about the maternity leave for your employees, and we're like, we're four people in a living room, cool, you know, and so, but it has, you have to think about everything, and it, like, it makes me, um, I, I'm i very even more supportive of B Corp's after starting to go through this process. I'm gonna add to
4: that too, we're part of 1% for the planet, and that's an interesting model as well, and it's, I've, I've now attended one of their events, because they gave, they gave Plastic Pollution Coalition an award last year, and, um, as like their environmentalist group of the year, which was really cool. But it was interesting to meet all these people from different companies that were making that commitment to give 1% of their profit back to nonprofits.
1: Yeah, and I think, for example, with businesses now, up until now it's been about the bottom line, right? So everybody that goes into business is because they want to make a profit. There, Some businesses might be created because they want to pro- provide a solution or they're providing a real need. But most businesses out there are really out there just to make money. So instead of focusing just on the bottom line, focusing on the triple bottom line, right, which includes people, the planet, and then your profit. So prioritizing people instead of just what's going to be, you know, coming in the next quarter and what how you're going to see your revenues grow for your stakeholders. So I think it's really important for companies to um, to brag about that. So many companies don't, you know, do these great things, but then they're not promoting it, so people aren't really aware of it. But I think that... If they were to take pride in it and make that font a little bigger, make it a slide on the main page as opposed to a tab at the very bottom that's next to like contacts and you know like all these other things that don't matter. I think that would change perspectives and make make other companies again become more competitive and see like, hey, that's what people want. That's what we need to do. So, um, I think they're simple solutions, but
5: yeah, um, being a small business owner, I'm sure, is very complicated and very complex. Um, There's a lot of information here. A lot of fantastic information here. Um, Where do you start? My recommendation, guys, there's there's low-hanging fruit out there, and this is not a promotion of what we do. Whether it's us or somebody else, look at that right there. See if there's plastic-based product packaging within what you're making, manufacturing, and see if there are alternatives. Even the box that you utilize, is it too big? What are you using to pack your product out? Can we use something that's more sustainable? If you start there, that's a step in the right direction. Definitely. Right? Yeah. It's 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 getting there. It it may not be a pananthea for everything, but at least it's the baby steps to get you to drive more sustainable practices within your business.
3: And I think too, coming from that angle, like if there's people who are starting their own businesses um, here as well, like to understand that it's really hard and it's okay. Like I remember at the beginning when we were trying to get any fulfillment company in LA to commit to using paper tape, Because all I wanted to do was not have to package these in my living room anymore, but I wanted to know that someone would just use our paper tape and no one would take us. Like, it was not like, no, they were like, nope, sorry, we use plastic tape, that's just the way it is. And I was like, I'm going to be doing this in my living room for the rest of my life. And it was finally like, one fulfillment company was like, that. We'll try to use paper tape, but we won't totally guarantee it, but we'll try. And I was like, great, you know, like, let's just start this off and we'll, we'll like, do this. And they did a good job, but it, once, like, a year, and we were talking earlier.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and Actually, they did a really good job. They stick with paper tape, which was the whole thing. We had a few things where some plastic tape went out, and it was, like, the end of the world. Is the, it was, like, I was freaking out, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, there's things that will happen that you despite all of your best intentions will happen. There will be a a thing that goes out with paper tape. You will have a batch of labels that is is printed incorrectly and you have to then recycle them without using them. Like these things will happen and it sucks, but it happens to all of us. And as long as you're continuing to just get better and make those right choices, that's how you start. And I think, you know, now we were just talking about the change the past two years. Now I get, like, A, I went to a film company, and they were like, we bought a paper tape machine for your business, you know, and they have, like, a high-speed paper tape machine for us, but they also were like, we also see that there's a lot of other LA businesses that need this, right, Mm -hmm. so it's like, we are dictating that, now they have that, and, like, that is just such a win, and it's so small, but it's such a win. And then I was just telling um, Josh earlier, now I get an email every other week from a new fulfillment company, and the headline in the thing is, we now have paper tape, you know? And I'm like, they're finally understanding. And it's it's like, and that is when you're dealing with your business and like your website, what, is it working? Are your customers happy? Is your Does your product taste good? There are so many things you're gonna be dealing with all the time that, you still have the battle of like, use paper tape. You know what I'm saying? And, but like, yeah. just, yeah, it's small worth business it. owners,
5: it's entrepreneurs have more of a voice now yeah. than ever at any point in history. Yeah. And you, you can make changes, you know, challenge the status quo.
1: Yeah, and it's worth it, totally yeah. worth it. With that, I just want to say thank you to everybody, thank to our panelists, you guys for, coming uh, for, coming, out. for coming, for all of you. Thank you, them,
0: thank you Merchants. There. Thank you, Shopify. Thank you, Shopify. <laughs> Thank you, Ian, from Hot Mobile Disco for doing a little DJ set and making the mix and mingle awesome. Um, We're here for a little bit longer. Please feel free to talk to everybody and thank you for coming out. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to this live panel discussion of the Zero Waste Life Hacks podcast. We'd like to thank all of our panelists for joining us and sharing their wonderful insight. To find out more about the panelists, information about this episode, as well as other zero waste life hacks, visit our website at www.zerowastelifehacks.com. Join our community online by finding us on Instagram at zero waste life hacks podcast. We like to engage with our zero waste community, share the hacks and knowledge around sustainability. Thank you for listening. See you next time.